Season 4, Episode 3 of Strange Brow Radio. My name's Tobe Johnson. Thanks for subscribing, sharing, liking, and reviewing not only the podcast, but the Strange Brow Radio website, where if you go to Strange Brow Radio, you can click through to my book. And I'd appreciate it if you did. There's a teaser up there. You can check out the YouTube channel, The Al Moon Lab, A Paranormal Experiment, the exact name of the book. Check it out on Amazon. Rate, review. At the end of the month, we'll have a, a contest of sorts on Halloween night. Some other stuff happening on Halloween. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. So, coming up on October, October 31st, again, if you go to Amazon, rate, review, uh, you can go on there and leave uh, four or five stars. You can leave any amount of stars as far as reviewing this book, and I hope you would, over at Amazon, the Al Moon Lab, a paranormal experiment. That's how you find the book. QR codes embedded, first of its kind that I know of, embedding a virtual book takes you into the immersive experience of the Al Moon Lab as you scan your phone and read the pages. Check it out over at the Al Moon Lab. Now, there's been quite a few, uh, well, not quite a few. There's um, a handful of uh, reviews already over at Amazon. And the more reviews, I guess, it's uh, the harder it's going to be for people to win the contest in October. And uh, I'll draw a name out of a hat from the Amazon reviews and then we'll pick somebody out who can win a t-shirt and or win some socks from the Strange Brow Radio website and you can check out all our merch if you just can't wait and you want to get your own hoodie or t-shirt um, check it out over at Strange Brow Radio and there you can pick out under the merch section uh, some winter fall gear keep yourself cozy and warm while you listen to crazy podcasts like this one also coming up at the end of the month on October 31st at 80 North Forks Avenue in Forks, Washington is the soon-to-be-opened on Halloween Day Sasquatch the Legend Gifts and Museum. The owner has uh, met me for the first time, and I have met him, Ken Hamilton, along with his wife and daughter, and uh, we set up the large larger than life eight foot tall bigfoot statue in his gift shop and after talking to him it's a it's a fantastic beautiful gift store right off highway 101 off north forks avenue 80 north forks to be exact sasquatch the legend gift store um nothing like it right next to the forks i'm sorry next to the twilight gift store if you know anything about twilight the books and the movie the gift store is literally half a block to the left, headed due west, so you won't be able to miss it very much. They've got a lot of things planned. We'll get into all that, but they're opening their doors on Halloween, so that's when you can go check out Biggie and everything else. Um, if you can think of a Bigfooter and you can think of a book they wrote, the book's there, including mine, The Al Moon Lab. Uh, you find uh, all sorts of stuff there. I saw Kathy Strain's books getting ready to go up on the shelf. I've seen uh, Ron Moorhead's books. I've seen... Uh, you name it, Joe Bielart's book. They're all there. There's toys, T-shirts, everything in between, all Bigfoot-related, including Biggie. And uh, he looks fantastic there. He actually has a smile on his face since I erected him and put him somewhere nicer than my my garage, which was short-lived. It was going to turn into a, a mouse house if I wasn't careful. So uh, Biggie is safe and sound in Forks, Washington. Now, what happens in Forks uh, stays in Forks, they say, but maybe there'll be some uh, werewolves or uh, yetis coming their way to the gift store. Those things are maybe in the works, but you can find my wood sculptures and such there as well. Don't forget our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, all one word, E-R-Y-N, over at Etsy. There is a fall spread coming out that Feral by Aaron has made the cover, I believe, if not the major insert of a magazine called What Women Create. That's coming out as the Christmas issue. And so you'll be able to find 
Feral by Aaron over at What Women Create, the Christmas issue coming out. You can type that in, What Women Create, and uh, get a look at our cabin. Get a look at uh, some of her latest gear, or you can go over to Etsy, all one word, Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N, over at Etsy. And also, Metallic Monsters, can't forget them. Think of Metallic Monsters as bringing your imagination to life via 3D printer. Now, originally, they looked into the role-playing market as being their key demographic. But what Metallic Monsters does is create all sorts of not only monsters, but cryptids, imaginary, uh, fantasy-oriented creatures, beings, and erect them on their 3D printer after they go through the 3D sculpting process, much like we did with our episode on Blondie which, by the way, is also available over at Metallic Monsters. So whether or not you're into role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering, or you just want to have some unique artwork on your shelf, go over to Metallic Monsters. You can choose out how you want the actual sculpture printed up, and there it will be printed, sent inside a uh, wonderful package uh, right to your house. And uh, nothing like it. Holidays are coming up. It's your chance to do it. All right, next up is my conversation with Ira Wolfnison of Heart Unafraid, ex-occultist Ira Wolfnison, I should probably say. And the topic is symbols of the NWO, better known as the New World Order. And what is the New World Order, and how do we begin to actually believe that the NWO actually exists? And can we quantify it into a group of people? And if they do exist, do they communicate through ancient symbols that are embedded in pop culture? Well, Ira believes this is true. I myself believe this is true. And it seems like more than ever, because of the state of the world and the supposed new world order or great reset afoot, I thought it would be important to have this conversation with someone who understood exactly how all this might work as far as being able to recognize these secret symbols, how to not be influenced by them subliminally and how they may push themselves down into your lower subconscious. Ira can talk about this at great length for a great period of time, but we decided to condense it into an hour-long conversation. So that's what we did roughly a week ago, and for the patrons, they were invited to come over and watch it live and ask questions to Ira after the conference was over. But I was recording on a secondary device, and that's where this video comes in. Now, I need to couch the beginning of this conversation. The overall talk that we're about to have, you're about to hear, had to have some verbiage in it that was disguised. And that's because of the pesky algorithms and Big Brother at foot. And I think that that should bother you. Because I think anytime you're on the side of censorship, you've chosen incorrectly. And so for this very reason, for the fact that I do have sponsors and I do want you to hear this, please understand that no one's trying to offend anybody's intellect by coming up with these other terms to describe things. I think you'll figure it out as we go along. But the fact is, is that the algorithms are in control of the message more so than you and I even probably can comprehend. I'm sure Snowden can comprehend it. I haven't gotten that interview yet. So Ira is going to have to suffice. And I think we did the best we could here to start to dig in a little bit. Now, let me know if you want more conversations like this, because when I take a diversion like this into uncomfortable areas of discussing what's going on right now in the world and have someone on like Era, it's not exactly cryptids and Bigfoot and spaceships and conspiracies, although this is the mother of all conspiracies. In fact, I can think of nothing stranger than the world we live in today. I mean, take yourself back five, even three years ago and start to paint a picture like the reality that a lot of us live on, especially out here on the West Coast. So that's the conversation we're going to have. And um, it may be time to break out a pen and paper and write some of this down along the way or do your own research 
and certainly any comments that you have here, um, I will uh, definitely consider them. So my conversation begins now with Ira Wolfnosen and the topic, Symbols of the New World Order. Ira, thanks for doing this. This is a little bit on the fly. I had another thing planned this evening. I canceled that because I felt like tonight was super important. And um, you've, you've been researching this for more than a couple years. And now's your chance to talk to people openly. And as I said, I, I hope the first 45 minutes is going to be taking us to school a little bit because we don't want to talk about this as though anyone knows about symbolism and the actuality of it or um, any other things that we're going to talk about. So uh, introduce yourself to, to people, Ira, and talk to them specifically about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, for the last 20 years, um, I've studied the spiritual mysteries of the universe. And it began through um, you know, as certain aspects of my family had a native spirituality leaning. And it came full circle uh, as I began to classically study shamanism. That was a very quick thing for me because I quickly segued into hermetic philosophy, alchemistic philosophy. I practiced alchemy, both spiritual and physical. And I went in deeply into ceremonial magic or high magic. I belong to two uh, orders. Those are secret societies in the old days. Today we just call them orders. And I attended two different mystery schools. And I also attended the Institute of Hermetic Studies. So my whole trajectory, you could say, was to simply understand the cosmos, both spiritually and physically. And one of the first things that really gelled in me all the way back in the very early days was something that is called the language of the birds. And that language, and I'm going to speak from a very esoteric perspective, but I think you'll get the gist of it. The language of the birds is a divine language. It's the language of the gods. It's the language of God. And that language is written in symbols and geometry, sacred geometry, and mathematics, and patterns, and cycles. The symbols, you could say, are sigils. Sometimes they're found in nature, the way two branches will often fall in a Y, or something that you would recognize in the runes, the Fulthark runes. Also, you might recognize them as a hieroglyph or a petroglyph. So these are things in nature that have universal patterns. They're repeating. They're understood. And also the alphabet, the ancient Hebrew alphabet with 22 letters, is based on the language of nature, the language of God. And many believe that this language, the symbolic language, is the fabric of the universe, the building blocks of the universe. It's the language of God. And you can find it all in nature and in the cosmos, the stars, the planets. They all have symbols. But what's most important is because we are a part of this system, our subconscious understands every one of us universally these archetypes and symbols. Our conscious mind may not process them. But if I show you a picture of a sun, just a petroglyph or just a hieroglyph of the sun, you know that that means warmth, growth, the sun, the creator. Everyone knows that consciously, that they will associate with it. But if I show you more obscure and arcane symbols, you may not register them consciously, but your subconscious, your ancient self, your primal self, all those ancestors that came before you that knew what that symbol was, you will recognize it and it will process, but it won't process consciously. Now, within the great arcanum of the mystery schools, mystery schools, I'm sure you've all heard of them, but they're thousands of years old. From before, let's say before the flood, and you called it Atlantis, that was the whole earth. Perhaps that's just a good catch-all term to call the, the antediluvian civilization. But 
the great arcanum and, and the mystery school disciplines came from the earliest times, the first times. Um, many people believe it came with the fallen, with the, with the second fall of the angels going into the daughters of men. They brought magic with them. So for Christians, for people who are biblical in nature, they're always told magic is evil, alchemy is evil, don't look at these things, the symbols are evil. Because magic and all these arts and sciences belong to God, they're divine, they're amazing and magnificent, but they are stolen. And we were not supposed to have this information until we were developed and mature enough as human beings. Who knows when that time would be? It's definitely not now because look what this is wrought upon us. And we're not supposed to look at them. And one of the first um, translations to... Um, in, in the commandments, one of the first translations, and I'm going to have to look at my notes to be exact, but thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And this was according to the book of Deuteronomy. The words were spoken to God, to the, by God, to the Israelites, and then written on stone tablets by the finger of God. So thou shalt not make any graven images. So remember, these symbols came down with this arcanum. Symbols, I'll get to in a minute, the power besides the effect on the subconscious, but more than that, the stolen, it's stolen. But we were told, almost as a law, never to make graven images. The graven images are the symbols. The symbols are the danger to the uninitiated or the unaware because they are often used and deployed even in today's advertising markets with a power to influence. Um, symbols and flashing colors, for example, on the news, you see a lot of blue and a lot of red. And these colors flashing will put the brain into a certain altered state, and we used it very much in ceremonial magic, flashing colors, colors that, that um, react off of one another. They do a certain, they hit a certain part of the brain. So now you're primed, your subconscious is open, you're in an altered state, and then the symbols begin, and the repeating messages. It's almost like a type of hypnotism, but it is much deeper because it goes into the deep subconscious. Suddenly, you have a perspective that yesterday was not your perspective. Suddenly, you're feeling emotions that you don't even know where they came from. So this is the power symbols can have upon our psyche. We as normal human beings, raised the way we are in this century, in this generation, we have no knowledge of the arcanum or the mysteries or the magical principles or of alchemy or how the universe actually works. We're told it's just a physical realm and et cetera, et cetera. 95% of this world is spiritual. We can't see it. It's invisible nature and it's peopled with beings. So you look at magic, you look at the influence of perhaps evil beings and you're ripe for a time as such as we have today. But let's go back to ordinary reality, what's what we're experiencing with the media. So the flashing colors, the blue and the red, primes the brain to open the deep subconscious and then the symbols arrive along with a repeating narrative. These things are a type of hypnosis but they're even more epic than hypnosis. They're long-lasting, and I would say it's hard to reverse them. I mean, you have to do a reverse magical spell. This is spelling. This is enchantment. This is doing something against another's will without them knowing about it. It is a wrong. It's a sin. It's a crime. It's a rape. So, I see a lot of people that I know, they watch a certain news channel, they get a certain message, and that message goes deep into their subconscious. And so you can say something absolutely rational to them. Well, you know this whole thing with the poison crown is happening, and I don't want to get the venom, and that person will give you every reason in the world to get that venom, even though they know that there's no reason for you to get the venom because you've already had the poison crown, which is a rational thing. But no matter how rational you are, 
These people cannot put the two and two together. They're running on a different program. They're running on the same program. And if you look at the Speaker of the House recently, she said, we're on a straight and narrow path completely forward and we're not going to stop. That's exactly how it works. It puts you on a path where you're running completely forward and it just never stops. So a lot of the symbols that are being used that you see with celebrities, magical principles give you two paths. You have the divine path, the right-handed path, and you have the left-handed path, the black sorcery path, the evil path, the negative path. And there is a way to see on these paths. The symbol is, the symbolism is the right-handed path. You see through the right eye. You see right. And what is seeing right? Seeing right is seeing with the intuition, the gut, the heart. You feel what is right. Why? Because there is a divine indwelling inside of you. You're a divine human soul, and it tells you what right and wrong is. You are born knowing right and wrong. So to see right and to be on the right-handed path, you're using your divine aspect of yourself. We will call that the indwelling of God. I believe that's Yahweh. The left-handed path is to see left. And when you see left, you are only seeing with the intellect, right brain, intuition, instinct, divine knowing, left path, intellect, without spirit, no spirit, only intellect, only ism, scientism, atheism, ism, ism, intellect without spirit, intellect, the light of intellect, without the divine light, is Luciferianism. I know some of you don't want to hear that, and I'm sorry if it offends you, but you're just going to have to deal with it. So you want to see right. Now this symbolism is universal. Right is right. It's moral correct. Right is right. Left-handed path is not right. It is the inversion. Now let's look at the symbol of the pentagram, the star, five-pointed star. So the five-pointed star has a point at the top. The arms of the star are the four elements, earth, air, fire, water. The top, divine spirit. It's a top-down star. Divine spirit, the pyramid, top-down. Top-down hierarchy. In spirituality, just like nature, there is a top-down hierarchy. Hierarchies are everywhere in nature. We have to get over that, like it or not. The point on the star of the pentagram, when it's inverted, becomes the bottom up. So what is in the bottom? What is in the underworld of Shul? What is in the Klippothic? The negative, the inversion of God goes down. So when you see a logo of the pentagram and it's turned upside down, you instantly think satanic. Yes, that's what that is. But we have to be careful with the word satanic because it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and they're not all the same. We can get into that later. But when you see the logo turned on its side, as we did this year, I couldn't believe it because I'm looking at the highest office in the world getting a logo from the most incredible advertising and logo creators in the world, getting a logo that turns a pentagram on its side. Now, these people know symbolism really well. And for them to allow that symbolism to hit our subconscious, they don't make those kind of mistakes. So for me, when I saw the blue, left-handed path, red, right-handed path, when I saw that logo, I knew 
I didn't even have to watch the news or know who the characters were that were involved. They were sending a message. This is what our vibration is about. Now, if you look at a lot of this, the secret societies, highest Freemasons, highest Illuminati, highest ABCDE, they love socialism. They have been pushing so socialism for at least here in the United States for 200 years. Before that, in Bavaria, uh, it was going on there. So the tenets of socialism are very similar to the tenets of Satanism, very similar. And we see the symbolism of those two things going hand in hand. Now, to be fair, recently, Toby brought up, oh, there was uh, an elder Futhark rune used on the floor of the uh, Republican convention. C right, CPAC convention. And that this was a Nazi symbol. Well, that was the Othala rune, which is inheritance. It's nobility, tradition. Um, the Odal rune, the same. But when you add the little feet, that changes the vibration of it. And so the little feet were on the Nazi symbols. Not a good thing. When you add the feet, they're the inversion of another rune, which I can't remember the name of at the moment. Um, I'm not a runic expert, but I did study runes. And I can't remember the name of that rune, but it is a hook rune. And it means water. When you invert it like that, it's fire. So to me, it was adding the fire principle to that rune. It was changing it. And I think someone else mentioned to me it looked a lot like an owl. I don't know if that was their intention, but it gave it legs, so to speak. The owl is a whole other conversation that we can get to when you're ready. But I want you to know that a lot of times the people at the lower levels may create a symbol <clears throat> on a floor and not really realize what that is. Or someone may tell them to create that symbol. They create it and they have no idea what a rune is. You know, if you haven't studied runes deeply and you don't understand the language and the magic within them, then you don't know. So all I know is that I continue to see symbolism that is absolutely mind-blowing, that stretches back to Samaria and ancient Ugarit, Mesopotamia, um, times that, that are of the old religions, when we were worshiping Pan and you know, a million other strange gods. And when you go into these strange gods, this is a whole nother like, giant conversation, they, go, they trace back to Mount Hermon and the Fallen. So, this old religion is Luciferian in nature, intellect only. It's satanic in nature, which is really all about your own will. You are your own god. You are more than human. And it comes with a lot of darkness. It comes with a lot of, you know, aspects of if you're selfish and it's only about your will, making a sacrifice... Um, that goes without saying they do it and it's okay because it's all about you they also don't see other human beings that are not within the fold as being human they see them as animals maybe a little higher up than an animal but an animal they see us as the uninitiated or they see others as the uninitiated and if you're not with them you're against them and you become property, and you become someone that it's okay to program and herd and move in different directions. So now we get to the poison and the venom. Why is this happening? Well, again, it always goes back to power and control and money and power. When I look at the Aztecs, they would march people up a pyramid and rip out their hearts in front of them. And they would tell people, just the normal people, like you and I, well, we're doing it because the sun won't come up tomorrow. 
thing is, do you really think that they were that stupid, that the sun wasn't going to come up tomorrow, that it would be okay to march all these people up to the top of a pyramid and sacrifice them? But what they were doing was they were feeding the demons, and demons feed on fear and hatred, and they have beautiful names like Pan and different, you know, different exotic names that you don't know what they are. But when they feed these demons, these gods and goddesses with little g's, um, there are many laws and principles in, in magic where there's reciprocity. If you get, give something, you get something. If you take something, you leave something. There is a give and take. And once something is given, something must be taken. And some, once something's taken, something must be given. And people would march to the top of the pyramid thinking the sun wasn't going to come up when actually it was their nobility their monarchs and their leaders, their tyrants, that were lying to them. And so, again, throughout time after time after time, we find ourselves, I think, at times in places of sacrifice with our wars. And it leads to, you know, another conversation, which is depopulation. But right brain, left brain, divide. It starts at the very, very lowest levels. Divide the brain, right brain, left brain, and now you're, you're at war with yourself. But go further, you divide white from black, male from female, up from down. Just keep dividing, keep dividing, and there's no coherence. And when we're out of coherence, we're in chaos, and that's another spiritual law. So we are a product of our decisions, and there comes a time when... You know, I don't like to hurt other people's feelings, so I don't like to throw salt in the wound. So when somebody says, yeah, I just love socialism, I'm, you know, I think everybody should all do the same thing and have a hive mind, and I don't want to hurt their feelings and throw salt in their wound. But now's the time to throw salt in the wound because this is a virus, a bacterial infection. It is a poison crown, and it's time to throw salt in that wound and kill it. When they say the quiet part out loud and they admit what they're doing. Not only are they throwing the symbols out to you and saying, oh, we'll get them subliminally here. We'll get them down in their deep psyche, as you said, the epic hypnosis, which you compared to rape. Um, they must tell you. Well, this is what I want you to talk about, is the fact this <laughs> is so, just... so odd. When you keep a secret, you must not tell anyone. But in their world, you must tell them, tell them exactly yeah. why that so, is. So the secret... You know, the sign you of have five minutes to do it. The sign of Hippocrates. <laughs> you know, the sign of silence. You know, that was the god of silence. It's not about silence. It's about protection. So, yes, you must keep the secrets. The rose is also a symbol of silence, of keeping your silence. So you keep your silence. But when you're doing the work, when you're spelling someone, when you're going to do an action against them magically, you must tell them first. Why? Because there's a consequence, there's a cause and an effect. And magically, if you don't get someone's consent, this is why consent, everybody knows, is a universal God-given gift. You must get their consent or you pay the price. So karma, you've heard of karma, well, it's even worse than that. So if you don't get their permission, if you can't get their permission, you can get it from their negation. So if you're speaking to their subconscious and you're saying, I'm going to do this, 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 but you do it in symbols and sigils and you, you constantly put it out to them every day and they don't ever say, oh, what are you doing? I, I don't agree to that. Then by you not saying anything, not saying anything, you are agreeing to it. So then they can commit the magical act against you or the physical act against you and they walk away without karma. Binding is different. When you bind someone, people, people do all these binding spells against Trump and against all these people, but they're not told. You bind yourself to that person when you bind them. That's the price. They don't tell you that. These are laws. These are magical, spiritual laws. We didn't write them. God wrote them. We can't change them. They are just like the laws of physics in the physical realm. And until you've seen them and experienced them, don't poo-poo them. So when they say the quiet part out loud, they can be as subversive as they want to as long as the message or the symbol hits 
Right. If they come out and say, I'm going to give you an unhealthy poisonous venom, you're going to say, hell no, you're not going to give me an unhealthy poisonous venom, right? Mm -hmm. But they can be telling you they're giving you an unhealthy poisonous venom through symbols and signs every day through the media. They can be saying things, dropping hints, misinformation. And because you say nothing, they can go ahead and give it to you without, with a clear conscience, magically mm-hmm. speaking. These are people, I'm not talking about your everyday doctors or your everyday politicians. These people know nothing. Mm-hmm. It's those who are working in the shadowy upper realms, way up in the corner of the spider web. The spider web. Okay, let's leave it there. Uh, for the people on um, Zoom, thank you for joining us here. Um, I'm going to change out the battery in a minute, but before I do, I want to thank in the two minutes remaining here, I want to thank the patrons that have stuck with us here to produce shows like this. Michael Ferry, of course, cameraman of Flash of Beauty, cinematographer extraordinaire, Andrew Schroyer uh, of the once uh, great Wolf Creek Inn, Alex Wheeler, Karen Inslee, uh, I-S-E-N-S-E-E, Karen Silman, Kevin Zeb. MJ, you know who you are, Benjamin Zimmer, Neil Morris, Jason Klein, Miranda Gerke, Crypto Yeti, Christine uh, B, uh, Christina Naff, David Mabane, Sean Perkins, Alex Whitcomb, thank you for... In regards to your background here, you're one of the only women, the only person I've known who's been through um, the secretive gates of Bohemian Grove as a child, if I remember correctly, which is another fraternal order ripe with symbolism and rituals. And um, for those who aren't familiar with what the Bohemian Grove has to offer, you can only go onto Google and type in uh, Alex Jones Bohemian Grove and he will take you on a guided tour. Um, I don't want to be compared with Alex Jones. Well, of course, uh, there's parts of Alex that you can't deny that are no, accurate. No, I, I actually like him, but yeah. I, I am not. You know that. Actor. Well, besides Alex, I, do you, I don't know anybody else who's been behind I didn't, the gates. I didn't go in there investigating. Well, you were too young. To. I was four. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's start from there in regards to not only the fact, uh, some of your earliest memories of going into the Bohemian Grove, but the spider. Because outside of the gates, it says, weaving spiders come not come here. Come not here. Yeah. Right. Uh, the spider is popping up in a lot of cities, too. I was in St. George a few years ago, and suddenly I was driving through the old part of town in this little square, and there is an enormous sculpture, uh, metal sculpture, of this big, giant black spider. And I thought, what an odd thing to be in St. George, Utah. You know, I was like, that is bizarre. And so I happened to Google it at the time, and there were spiders, like there was a thing going on where there were spiders popping up in many cities and odd places and nobody knew who the donor was or why they were there. Well, there is the concept of a great machine at work, a web at work, and these spiders reflect, you know, the philosophy of what a spider does to its victim in the web. So that symbology is very important. They also weave beguilement and a spider tricks its prey to fly into the web and then it preys upon it, drinks the blood and uh, wraps it up. (laughs) I know that sounds very simplistic, But the symbolism, the power behind the act that happens in nature can be guided by consciousness, by things you do with your mind, against another. So within this whole network, this this big machine, there is a great web, so to speak, of plans and ways to work people into the web. Bohemian Grove is, to me, very much like that. When I was taken to Bohemian Grove, I was only four years old, but I remember thinking on the outside, as you drive down the drive through the beautiful ancient trees, it looked like a kind of little fairy village, like Disneyland. And as a child, I thought, look, all these little 
pirates' houses, and one that had surfboards outside, and another one had another theme of something else. You know, there were all these themes, and it was very magical. And my mother would walk me towards the lake with the great owl, and she would point to a tree, and she would say, that tree with the face on it, and I have looked through so many internet documents to find that tree. There was a face on this tree, and it had a hole in it. And she would say, this tree is where a man would go inside of the tree and pretend to be the god that speaks through the tree. And then she would say, and you know, trees do talk. Bohemian Grove is built in a very magical place. It's a, a place of power. It's a magnetic anomaly with very high telluric currents. It is a sacred grove. Not only that, it was dedicated on the day I was born, earlier. I was born in 1959. It was dedicated, I don't know the year it was dedicated, but it was born on August 15th, which is the Feast of Nimeralia. It's the day of Diana. So it's a very ancient cult holiday. It's a very ancient, powerful day. And when I was there, I was shown, I was walked down a hall and I was shown the gowns and capes and wands and caps. And then I was shown the hearst and a small bag that was to contain the body of a child. It was faux, of course, it wasn't a real child. But everything about the imagery there was like the cults of death. It was all focused on death. Their rituals were death and rebirth, death and rebirth. Well, that goes all the way back to Egypt and Samaria and Mesopotamia and over it. The death and rebirth. I get that, I get that. But these men had skewed it, had bastardized it. It wasn't an act of God, a creation. It was very pantomimed and very ugly. And when you look at the ritual, I would rather call it a ceremony, <laughs> um, the cremation of care. These are unwitting young people that want to be accepted by the wealthy and powerful. And they come in and participate in this ritual called the cremation of care. And the cremation of care is the destruction of care. So they're put into an altered state with the flashing fire and water and reflection. There's a lot of sound and light. And they are told that they're going to cremate their care. Care is the generative principle. It is how things are created with care. Care is divine. When you cremate your care, you are removing a piece of God from your psyche. And when something is missing, a vacuum must always be filled. And when you're in that realm, that base consciousness, I'm going to cremate care, what comes in are things that match that frequency. You always match the frequency. Your state of emotion is your state of consciousness. So these people that are moving up in the world that will have positions of power and influence are cremating their care. They can then be deployed out into the world to do acts of great cruelty through business, throat cutting in negotiations, in politics. They can be bought and sold for high prices. It's very easy. Follow the money. Recently, David Whitehead, DW Truth Warrior, did a presentation that was very near and dear to me. It was called The Cult of the Medics. And he had a guest on his show that discussed how to follow the money. And that with this poison crown and venom event where, as David Icke would say, problem, reaction, solution. This guest will talk about how, can I name, can I name companies without getting us thrown off? Well, okay. um, yeah, just uh, name okay. the companies, but don't place blame. Just name, name the company. Yeah. 
everything traces back. Uh, you can say allegedly, and that will get us out of trouble. Everything traces back allegedly to two companies, according to this guest on David's show. It all traces back to a company called BlackRock and another comp company above it called Vanguard. So the term BlackRock is a term that goes back to the cult of El, the satanic cult that was thousands of years old, not the one you find on the internet, LaVey's. That's not in this picture. That's not what I'm talking about. BlackRock is the black cube, the tesseract, right? So that's a, that's a symbol of Satan or Saturn. And what does that look like? It is a black cube. It is a black square? The tesseract is a black square that folds in on itself forever, so you never escape the black cube. It is a prison. Okay. So when you go down into something as low as the satanic idea of selfishness, intellect without spirit, etc., and, and, there, and there's a very thin line bet between Satanism and Luciferianism. One is the lower run-of-the-mill people, and one is the other elitists. But they both have very s similar things. The company Vanguard is from the term avant-garde, which are the frontline warriors. So these two companies, they own Walmart, uh, Amazon, they are the, the major stockholder representations that own these companies. Twitter, Facebook, Moderna, and Pfizer, allegedly. Also the World Economic Forum, the same names more or less are found as the stockholders of these companies who are owned by these two top companies. So when you talk about the spider's web, when you get up to the level of Vanguard, he says, quote unquote, the trail goes cold because you cannot know who the top shareholders, owners of Vanguard are because of some legal wrangling that keeps them private. You can imagine the names, I don't need to say them, that are involved with these companies. So that was the spider's web for me. It's also a very real-world, follow-the-money explanation, and I really thank David for bringing that to us. And you can find his show. Mm -hmm. I watch it on Rumble. D.W. Uh, Truth Warrior. D.W. Truth Warrior. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to go back real quick because I learned something um, from the cremation of care. <clears throat> if you watch Alex Jones' video, um, he's sitting in the audience with the attendees of the cremation of care who are on the wooden pews looking out over the lake of Moloch. I did not know, and what you're saying is that the people in the cloaks are young, uninitiated, future globalist, future members. No, I believe those are the adepts and, and the wizards or the magi. Um, depends on who's doing it. This is many secret societies, skull mm -hmm. and bones, different Freemasonry levels. Mm -hmm. These are different things that come together in the Disneyland of Bohemian Grove. Right. The Manhattan Project was launched there. These are the movers and shakers, mm -hmm. the wealthiest, that were initiated because they had certain characteristics. It wasn't just how much money does your family have. Mm -hmm. Do you have the right characteristics? So the cremation of care is basically the making of a psychopath, a person with no empathy. Mm -hmm that can pull the trigger without feeling any remorse or pain. And it's not because he had to talk him out of it, himself out of it. It's mm -hmm. because he feels nothing. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the, the way of a demon or the way of a psychopath, it will come in very gentle and very beautiful, and you'll be on a honeymoon. They'll answer all your magical uh, requests. And then they start to tear you down little by little and take control and then eventually after choke holding you for so long and everything goes wrong in your life, then you're on the floor dying. You're either going to die or if they feel like it, they will renew you and the process will start all over again. And it's a cycle. As in nature, there's cycles. So things can be very, very seductive, going great. And we see this pattern now with us. We are suffocated and then we're told, okay, just for a minute, go off. And then we're suffocating again. 
<laughs> and then, okay, we're going to give you some money. And then now the infl inflation happens. So these cycles are going round and round in a very diabolic way, mm -hmm. and it feels timed and precise. And if you pay attention, these patterns are there. I know there's many people that would listen to my words right now and say you're just cuckoo because they've been programmed. They cannot see the other way. There are a certain number of people, a certain percentage of people that cannot be programmed. And this may be an outcome of this whole debacle. Mm -hmm. That may be what whoever they are, mm -hmm. you know, the wizard behind the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, mm -hmm. they may figure out just who can be programmed and who can't be programmed. I mean, every hypnotist will tell you there are some people that just can't be hypnotized. And every magician will tell you there's just some people that can't be spelled, <laughs> you know. Some people just have this je ne sais quoi. Either call it protection from God. Maybe they're filled with God. I don't know. Real quick, um, online here, um, Gordon Fry, who I believe uh, was in the background. With, um, Gordon, you had been to Bohemian Grove. I saw that comment there. And um, I would love for you to write another comment or question regarding what you've heard here on the Bohemian Grove. Were you there in a capacity of membership? Were you there in a capacity as a visitor for a time? Um, write, write that question out if you can for Ira, and uh, I would love to get that back to her. Getting back to um, the spider imagery and the owl imagery in particular, those are both uh, big symbols utilized not only at the Grove, but in general. The web, I think, is a fascinating one for the fact that the social media aspect is being brought about by the World Wide Web. Yeah. Talk about yeah. that symbol. Oh, look at the magnetosphere of the Earth. It's shaped like a spider. The magnetosphere of the Earth, when you look at it, is shaped just like a spider body with the legs going over the Earth as, it, as the, you know, the, the wind, the solar wind washes over it. How did ancient people know that Grandmother Spider was in the sky? How did they know that? How did ancient people know that there was a hexagram on Saturn? <laughs> you know, the symbol of Saturn is a hexagram. How did the ancient Israelites know that? Where did they get their information? We are much more spiritually connected than we know, that we have forgotten who we are. But there are some people who know. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they use it in the most nefarious of ways. What about the spiral symbol? Talk about the use of the spiral symbol um, inside a triangle, for example. This is something we've seen before uh, as well. So you have the triune image of the triangle, the trinity, but then you have a spiral, or maybe the triangle is actually becoming a spiral of some kind, um, and it's connected to the child's um, pedophile ring. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Um, originally, that's just another symbol. Mm -hmm. um, is they it will an take ancient symbols. symbol from the occult that you've seen you know, before? I really don't know what the, mm -hmm. the whole pyramid spiral would be. Mm -hmm. I can talk about a pyramid until I'm blue in the face, but that child pedophilia symbol is simply they're using the language, using a sigil or a symbol. Well, okay, if it's a pyramid, it's fire, male. Is it the male aspect of the pedophilia? I think the point is at top. But so is yes. it speaking of, I want male children for I pedophilia? I don't know. Yeah, if, I, it, I, if that's so, that would make sense. That's a, mm -hmm. That would be a masculine, you know, fire, water. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so male, down, female. Right. Right, womb, female. Okay. But it's a universal language mm. of, that they understand it, so they don't have to use an ancient sigil. They can make their own sigil. People make up their own sigils all the time but it's still a language. So they're using symbolism as mm -hmm. a language because they know you won't. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between the two, a sigil and a symbol? They are the same. Um, with the Aleph Bet, each letter is a symbol, a sigil, with its own power and meaning. The alphabet? Aleph Bet, the old Hebrew alphabet. Okay. Right. So the Aleph Bet has 22 symbols, and each symbol by itself has a power, it has a numerological value. 
So it has different aspects of language written into each letter, and each letter will then compose a word. If you look in biblical, the first in the Hebrew Bible, in the Torah, I believe, uh, is Bereshit. And within the word Bereshit, written in Hebrew from right to left, each letter has a meaning and tells a story of the first word found in Genesis. That one word holds the story of the coming of Christ. So each letter has a meaning. Um, tet is a cross. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have each letter memorized. Mm -hmm. I'm not a scholar of the Aleph Bet, But you can go and look up each letter in an ancient Hebrew text and understand that within the word, each letter has a secret meaning mm -hmm. nestled within the word. So the first word in Genesis is Bereshit, read from this way with the resh, blah, blah, blah. Each letter tells the story of the coming of Christ 2,000, 3,000 years before the coming of Christ. That word has never changed. And we know that because we've gone back to the Qumran and different versions of Genesis that were found in the caves that the Bible has barely changed through all its translations. They've been true to the actual scripture, the original scripture. Mm -hmm. So that's how powerful and strange symbols and sigils can be, especially in the Bible when God's using his own language. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the symbol of the cross within itself. Um, obviously, it can be an inverted image. We don't see that very often unless you're watching a horror movie. But the cross <laughs> itself seems to be an image, um, well, not seems to be, the cross itself is an image of great significance. Yeah. Um, talk about the image That of the is cross. a universal symbol, a universal understanding, a universal archetype. It is a symbol of perfect balance. It's also from the way the cosmos came together. It's the four quadrants. It's the four elements. It's, you know, calling in the four corners, the four. So we are all divided into that four. And it's also north, south, east, west. So in the middle is the heart. In the ancient Hebrew camps, thousands of years ago, before Christ was ever even thought of or crucifixes were ever even known of, the Hebrews were instructed to make their camp in the sign of a cross and put the Holy of Holies in the center heart of the cross. It is a place of balance. It is a place of holiness. It is a place to be able to rise up or unfold. But it's many other things mm -hmm. as well. So that's typical of a symbol. It represents the four directions, the four mm -hmm. quadrants, uh, the four points in the cosmos of astrology. And it can also represent all those things in one image, all those concepts in one grand image. Again, when you take the cross, mm -hmm. or the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, I believe, um, when you take that symbol, you have to look at what's happening around it, before it, after it, to understand which of those meanings is being communicated. So mm -hmm. symbolism is a very complex language. It is the language of God, the end. Talking about the poison crown and the venom, um, which was probably planned way before the poison crown was. Um, <laughs> They're both patented by the same people. Yeah. Talk specifically about what your message is for people that are about to be fired and yeah. have to make a critical choice. Yeah, I know. It's, it's um, going to be like a knife in the heart for some to hear this. But like I talked about throwing salt in a wound, you know, for those of you who've already had it, I'm not the person who's going to say what I feel or what I think I know. Um, I wouldn't do that. I respect whatever someone chooses to do, their own divine right of their own body. As for the rest of you, why is it that you have not been, you have not taken the venom? And I know we're calling it venom, and that may be offensive to some people watching. We mean no disrespect to your choice. But there's a reason why those of you who haven't, haven't. And that goes beyond 
what you're told the science is. There is a voice inside of you that's saying, it's not for you. It's not for you. From what I've seen with the technology involved, a body without this, we are the last of our kind. Speak plainly. We will be the last of our kind. If that's important or not, I think on a divine level, for sure, it's important. And I also think there's some sort of spiritual component to this. I can't put my finger on it, but I want you all to listen to your own instincts. You may be the one person that has that bad reaction or whatever, and your own knowing is telling you. Then again, it may be because we're feeling that there is something very wrong with this, that, that it's obvious to us that when you're offered free food and free money and free things to get it, it's such an, ins an insult to my intelligence. No one has to pay me if I want to make a choice based on my own discretion, my own discernment. And when I discern, when I reason, I don't just go to the literature. I also see how I feel about it because the truth is inside of us. Know thyself. These are important words. Know thyself. When we know ourselves, we have all the answers because all the answers are within us. It is a divine gift from God. And I don't even care if you believe in God or not. That is how human beings are miraculously wired. So it doesn't matter if you believe as I believe. It is the truth that our consciousness is far higher than the animal realm. They have consciousnesses, they have feelings, but we are quite different. There's no disputing that. We are a miracle. We shouldn't even exist. And I think it's important to listen to the most important voice, which is within us. So for those of you who haven't, there is a reason. There is something telling you it's not for you. And I don't think you should feel guilty or apologize or even explain yourself. Pick your battles. You cannot go to another person who has had this venom given to them and tell them, well, you know, this is going to happen to you because you did and that's why I'm not. Don't even do that. That's just bad karma. That's bad, you know, you're, you're committing an act of cruelty against another person. Just stay quiet. Stay in the trees. And you know, speak to others like this. Speak with elegance and speak with compassion and kindness and respect. Everyone should respect each other. The noble lie is a statement. It's for the greater good. That is the noble lie. This greater good, what is it? Does the greater good come and sit by you when you're dying and hold your hand and say a prayer? Is the greater good going to bring your groceries when you're starving and you can't get any food? Who is this greater good? It doesn't exist. It's the programming. It's the program. It is the noble lie. That is the lie. We all take care of our own sphere. We take care of each other at the grassroots. We control who is under our authority, our pets, our children. We care for them. If we need a hand, we reach out, and another human being who is wired to have compassion will help us. There's still good out there. That was Ira Wolfson of HeartUnafraid.com. And I should make mention that Ira is also in the upcoming 2022 documentary, A Flash of Beauty, a Bigfoot documentary unlike any other. A Bigfoot documentary I'm actually co-producing, and it has been two years in the making and you know good things need to rise slowly in the oven and that's what's been happening here with flash of beauty so pay attention to the first part of 2022 for updates on that but Ira Wolfnosen is in that documentary as well as a lot of other people Ron Moorhead Marcia K. Moore myself Daryl Adams um, the list goes on and on to a deep list. Uh, I think even Dr. Jeff Meldrum may be in the documentary now at this point. So do check it out. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, but uh, definitely the beginning part of 2022. 
Also, don't forget to check out our great sponsors again over at Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N. Also, go check out Metallic Monsters. And hey, you can go check out my new Etsy store. That's right. Go check out Wood Watchers on Etsy. And there you'll find, right now, my cloned greys and my Sasquatch head. I'm also working on some Bigfoot dolls. Something you can stick in a stocking for the holidays. But you can sure stick these clone greys inside a stocking and put them on your bookshelf. Um, they're over there now over Etsy. Everyone should have an Etsy shop. It's just like, gosh, having a, a driver's license. <laughs> Keep one on file for you. All right, that's it for me. If you want to uh, be a part of the show, go ahead and shoot me an email over at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. We can talk about whatever you want. I don't know if it'll be on air, but we can talk about whatever you want. That's over at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. Also, don't forget opening up on Halloween from 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time over at 80 North Forks Avenue in Forks, Washington, right off of Highway 101. The last town before you hit the Pacifics, the way I say it, is the Sasquatch 11 Gift Store and Museum. And uh, Biggie's over there. And as well as probably a bunch of people in costumes. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, again, let me know and uh, rate review the Al Moon Lab if you can over at the Amazon store. That's it for me. Have a good night. And of course, I will see you in the trees. <laughs>